What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of The Closing Pitch. The episode that you're about to listen to is an episode that we recorded back in December. It's been in the archives. I actually pulled it out and was looking at it, and I was like, this was a pretty good episode. I want to throw this out there. So we had some really good topics. Dave, talk about the first one. It was uh, about the Houston basketball player that we we saw that they lost the game. Uh, Some of their players were frustrated, threw some trash on the ground, threw a trash can on the ground. And uh, we, we talked about the character of this one individual who took his time to pick up the trash and basically leave the place better than he walked into it. Yeah, so character is a big thing in sports, and especially with social media. Um, after the whole uh, Stafford thing in L.A., kind of concerning, and I thought this was a really good episode to put back out there. And also, we talked about um, camps and like winter uh, how the uh, not camps but breaks winter break and how those types of breaks that you have throughout the year are super important um, when it comes to executing and actually taking advantage of it and um, gaining ground on your competition. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Please give us five stars. Uh, follow us on um, Twitter. Mine is at Spiker Helms. David Berkby at David Berkby, um, and we will. Uh, catch you in the next episode after you listen to this one. Hope you enjoy. Let's finish it. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Closing Pitch. My name is Spiker Helms, and this is a show about people, culture, and how to create a winning lifestyle. This is a three topics, and we're out show. Dave, how are you feeling today? Good, man. Very good. So Dave came to me the other day, and I think we have made a significant push in the positive direction here. He came in yesterday and said, Spiker, I want to learn more about NFTs. <laughs> I was like, how, how did you come to this conclusion? He goes, well, I was watching a video from Gary Vee. I have been talking about this for a whole year, and he's finally getting on the train. This is not one of the topics we're talking about. It's not, but I wanted to bring it up. Because you're so hurt. And so we ended up going on OpenSea. If you don't know what OpenSea is, it's an exchange for NFTs. I don't own any NFTs. This is not investment advice. This is just uh, curiosity at its finest. And he goes, hey... I want to get this NFT. <laughs> it has a diamond by it. And I was like, well, what, 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 what number is it the, next to the diamond? Four. Oh, yeah, that's four. That's, that's four. He's like, so 400? I'm like, no, 4K uh, times four. <laughs> he and goes, I immediately got out what? of the conversation. Now he does not want to be a now, part of NFTs. Of <laughs> I'm going back to cash. Cash is king. <laughs> cash is go king. Go buy some gold. I'm going back to the, U- <laughs> I'm going back to the US dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, that is not the topic. I just thought it was a funny story. Um, but today we have um, three topics, mostly baseball. There's actually one that is uh, relevant for everyone um, on just a just being a good human in general. Um, one, I don't know if you if any of us any of you guys saw this on Twitter. It was filtering pretty quickly. Um, had 4,000 likes already. Uh, Houston Cougars basketball player uh, came by and actually picked up trash after an Al- they were playing yeah, Alabama. They, they had gotten beat by Alabama. And the video kind of went viral where 
um, I believe like a, it looked like a young assistant coach was storming off the court and kicked a chair, and then they were followed by players, and you know those players saw the emotion and the anger out of. The, I'm, I'm sure they're upset, right? They're yep. all competitors, and you know they the player then saw the the coach kick the chair, and he decided he's going to kick another chair and dump the trash can down and walk off. And then I, you know, I didn't do my research and I probably should have. I wanted to know what kind of a role this, this young man had on the team, whether it was like a captain or, you know, a younger player or if he's a contributor or not. And I, I really don't know that. And I probably should look that up. But um, then he's kind of followed by another Houston player who literally stops what he's doing and decides that he's going to take it upon himself to clean up that trash and, put the chair back where it was and, and everything else and, and basically do the right thing, you know, we can left it better than what he, what he saw. I think what makes this video so interesting is that it's a, it's a higher up coach, probably an assistant. He looked not, like an assistant. Yeah. And then what is weird is that this guy's picking up the trash and then these other guys that are a part of the team that are, they look like they're trainers or something. They're, they're not helping him pick it up. It's just literally this dude picking up trash, and he's a player. And you're taught that at a very early age. I I, I hope that a lot of coaches are still teaching this, which is you got to pick up the dugout. You got to pick up um, the things that um, that are laying around. We want to leave it better than when we came here for. No matter if you lost or um, you have you have problems during the game or you're you are not playing well. And I just don't get why these higher up these coaches the people that we look to are just literally standing around watching this dude pick up trash well you kind of watch it too if you watch the whole video then that i, I think it's that same assistant kind of comes back and he kind of has that oh crap moment like i'm supposed to be the the person of authority i obviously let my emotions get the best of me i did something stupid a kid who's still a kid right he's still young young 19 to 22 year old is doing something that I should have probably done myself and, and corrected my mistake. I always look at it as this, and, and I, I, I talk to my players about it all the time because I'm, I'm very, very uh, – this is pretty much a standard with our program, okay, that when you leave a dugout, you are going to leave it spotless. I don't even care. Like We've walked into dugouts before, and I've used this as a teaching moment a million times over. We've walked into dugouts where a team has just left and they get out of there and it is a complete and utter disaster. It's gross. There's 18 Gatorade bottles left. There's seeds everywhere. There's just trash, uh, game tape, everything that's been used. And that team's just up and gone. They won, they lost, who cares? They left it in little, literal disarray. And I'm going to tell my players right now, I go, before we go out there, we're going to clean this. Before we go out on the field, we're going to clean this up. And I, I always get the answer, why? We didn't do it. It's not We didn't do that, coach. Why do we have to pick that up? Because you're going to do it, number one. You're going to leave the place. You're going to take pride in this field, okay? This field, they're letting you use this. You're getting to be a part of this game. You're going to take pride in that, number one. Number two, that's going to show you the attention to detail that we want. If we care just enough about cleaning up that dugout, we're going to care about our swing. We're going to care about everything else that we do. We're going to take pride in how we stretch. We're going to take pride in everything. You're also representing the Tigers. You're representing yourself. Okay, Prideful people do not walk past that trash. They're going to stop. They're going to pick that up because they're going to leave that place 
better than it was before. And then after the game, we're going to pick our stuff up so that when the next team comes in, they're going to have a nice dugout to play in. Uh, Coach Pratt was in here this morning talking with us. We were just talking shop on um, recruiting and guys that um, are doing really well in our program and are starting to gain interest. And we started just talking about college coaches. And um, I've played against a lot of the coaches that he knows. Um, but then there are some other guys that I haven't played against. And I wanted to get a little bit of like, hey, what's this guy like? What's that guy like? And we just had this like really fun conversation um, because you you have a perception of a person. And then when you actually play on the same field and you're competing against those people, you get a different perception um, right away. Some are good, some are bad. And one person that he talked about was Augie Garrido. Mm-hmm. And he said that he was trying to battle the um, white collar mentality at the time it was like the elitist Texas yeah elitist like, mentality yeah and this be, being able to be humble and picking up the dugout is a blue collar mentality and it'll serve you better in the future rather than being entitled to oh i'm here i deserve all of this where like we play at grand park awesome ballpark awesome facilities um, yes, you did pay to play there. Yes, you deserve to be on that field because you did make a purchase. But at the same time, you don't have, you're not entitled to just trash it because you don't own it. Mm-hmm. That'd be like me going into, let's just say, William Sonoma, um, which is a kitchen store. And I go in and I just trash everything. I can walk in there and buy something, but I just trash everything. I'm not entitled to that store because I don't own it. A lot of people, I feel like, I wouldn't say a lot. I just feel like the minority is louder than the majority where it we think that we deserve everything that we deserve, which you don't. Right. I, I wrote something down here because it came to mind. I saw this quote like, a month ago on Twitter and it was like if you've ever been you know to a grocery store okay and you get done shopping you go ahead and put your your um, your food and everything that you bought away in your car and then you kind of go over and put your shopping cart away right well I saw a quote that said I've never met a successful person if they see a shopping cart not in the correct shopping cart holder or just sitting out there in the middle of the parking lot I've never seen a successful person not go over and grab that shopping cart and put it in. 100%. I've never seen it because they know that, well, I mean, I know what I would think. I'd be like, well, dude, that car, or that could kind of go away, and I'm, it might not hit my car, but it might hit someone else's, so I'm mm-hmm. going to go take care of that. Yep. I'm going to go solve somebody else's problem today and make it better. Yep. Same deal. 100%. Um, it, it's just being able to take care of things, taking care of the world because you know what the other person is going through like example retail. There's so many times that you'd go into a mall and the clothes would be all disarrayed and not folded mm-hmm. up properly. And you're like, how do you think those clothes actually get like there? Right. Another human being had to fold those clothes. Like, well, that's what we're, that's what the company's paying them for. Like, yeah, but shit, they could be doing something else. Right. Like they could be doing something that could benefit you more in the store where they're like, ah, oh, I'm tired. I got to, fold these clothes and then you walk into the store and they can't help you because they're folding the clothes. It, it, it's, it just stockpiles itself. So kudos to yeah. the sophomore guard, Jamal Sheed, or is it it's Sheed um, from the uh, Houston uh, Cougars 
awesome job. Um, and I, if you haven't seen this video, please go on Twitter and find it. It is just an awesome video. I'll, I'll link it into the show notes. Um, second topic at hand is I love this idea. I love this thought um, because there there's a lot of misconceptions um, and numbers are a little bit exaggerated. And I think that just has to deal with the human mind. Like we, we exaggerate stories. So we love exaggerating numbers sometimes. But um, one of the tweets says, Real, is it, how do you, how do you, it's J, it is JT Real Muto. Yes. He's the catcher, all-star catcher for the Philadelphia Phillies. He has a pop time of 1.89. No, that was his best one. That's his best one. In game last year, as, as you guys know, if you follow Major League Baseball, now they have, they have, you know, not track man, but Hawkeye in every stadium. They've got numbers upon numbers on everything. So they track literally anything and everything that goes on in the game. And, JT Real Muto, who is the best catcher, probably in the one of the best catchers in the game right now. Very good defensive guy. Um, he beat out Yachty for the for the Gold Glove this year. Um, his best pop time, and if you don't know what a pop time is, it is whenever the ball gets thrown to the catcher when it hits his glove, and he's throwing the ball down to second to cut, try to catch a runner stealing second base. Whenever it hits the second base or shortstop's glove, whoever's covering that base, the the difference in time is your pop time. And we track that. It's a big number that we track in high school baseball from a recruiting standpoint because college coaches are going to want to know if you know a catcher can get that ball there quickly and shut down a running game. So anyhow, the best in-game pop time for JT Real Muto last year, which is it was a 1.89, so one, 1.89 seconds, which is really, really, really fast. Many dads and moms – this is not to get on you guys about it, but I've been in many conversations where I've had to bite my lip or bite my tongue, sorry. And they have said, oh yeah, he averages like a 1.9. Mm-hmm. All I'm time. like, uh, no, he doesn't. <laughs> uh, but I can't, I can't say that, but I, I want to put it on the podcast because I want to make sure that you if you are a parent that does do that, don't do that anymore. Uh, you're, you're exaggerating your kid's ability and you're not giving him a fair shot with those coaches. Cause the coaches know the numbers. If you're a really good coach, you know, you know, the numbers and you're not going to start a quarrel and say, no, he's not. You're not going to start that. You're just going to nod your head. Yes. And say, Oh, okay, cool. And then you're going to walk away and be like, that guy was lying. That girl was lying. There's no way that dude's a 1.9. Well, I, I think that the numbers get exaggerated because of a, a few things. Number one, um, we have a ton of showcases that go on. We have practices where players practice this or go out on their own. And you see them and, you know, there's no base runner. There's no game situation. There's no batter swinging a bat, which stops you from getting out of your crouch, out of your mm-hmm. stance early. And these numbers are exaggerated and so many other things, too, like – we can talk exit velocity. We can talk throwing velocity. We can talk all kinds of things where they get exaggerated. The numbers that matter are in game. Correct. Anything that's outside of the game, I'm sorry. They're, they don't matter. They just don't because they're not going to be used in the game because there's so many other variables that you have to yeah. consider. So when you say, oh, he throws a 1.9, okay, was he in a crouch? Was there a runner? Was there a pitcher? Was there a batter? 
is he actually getting a 1.9 or is it more like a 2122? Sure. And and I mean, I don't want to sit here and just slam kids for going to a showcase and getting a little excited and throwing up a number that maybe is a little unrealistic. And I've had those conversations a ton with him. I'm mm-hmm. like, "Well, that's great that, you know, you kind of popped out a little bit quicker and you got off a good throw and no base runner, no batter, no nothing, and you threw a 1-9, okay? And that's great." But you're probably like a 2-1 in a game. And that's okay. It's the same thing for a pitcher who goes all out, throws the ball as hard as he can, throws it up in the zone, falls off to his glove side, is totally off balance. None of that plays in a game. If he tried to do that in a game, he'd be out in an inning or less because he can't throw strikes he's going to walk the world. But he hits 92. That's great. That shows maybe just a little snippet of your arm strength capability but what are you in a game? Oh, I pitch 86 to 88 maybe, or I pitch 85 to 87. Okay, well, that's who you are, right? And that's where I think with, when we talk to coaches all the time, at least in my perspective on the recruiting side, I'm always going to give college coaches game numbers. Mm-hmm. I have to because that's that's the real snapshot of who you are as a player. That's, that's what they're ultimately going to care about because guess what college coaches like to do? They like to get paid. Why do they get paid? Because they have a winning program. How do they win games? By kids performing in games. You know, this is a really good analogy. Um, you know the show Slam Ball? You know that mm-hmm. when they had the trampolines and everything? Yeah, that was awesome. Those guys are really good at dunking, <laughs> but they can't play a lick of basketball. No. <laughs> no. And they probably were decent players, but at the same time, like, what are you optimizing for? They're optimizing for slam dunks and making really cool, crazy plays. And this whole baseball thing where I'm going to, chuck the ball as hard as I possibly can. Like, yeah, that's great. You did do it, yeah. but can you do it in a game and can you execute in a game? That's right. what actually really matters. Right. And I, I always kind of look at it through these, through this lens. So when a player comes to me and said, Hey coach, I did this at this showcase or Hey coach, I did this and I put up this number, which, you know, sounds really, really, really good. I'd never want to be like, well, dude, yeah, well, you didn't do it in a game, so what? You know, I yeah. don't say that because I don't want to discourage him. I, I obviously I want to encourage the well, player, and I want him to continue to to want to like. That's a big moment for that dude. Like, and especially if he's going to come and talk to you and kind of stick his chest out a little bit and be proud of it, I want him to be proud of it. Well, he should he should be because again, yeah. you're trying to build that confidence up, but at the same time, I the only issue I have is when yeah. you start bragging 100%. about it to everybody well, about like, oh yeah. Uh, just in the stands, like you can, he- coaches can hear this in the stand. Like, oh yeah, Jimmy, he he, he throws a one point nine pop time. Right. Like, well, he's king shit. Well, and that's what I was getting to. So, so when I'd have that conversation with the player, I'd obviously want to be like, dude, that's awesome. You know, hey, good on it, good for you. That's huge, right? Mm-hmm. Now keep working, because you know, understand that that's not a game scenario, but it shows a snapshot of what you could be. Yep. And so now when you get into that game, now we'll, we'll find your game numbers and we'll keep working there. And, and that's, you know, it's just like keep the enthusiasm with it. Like I hate the Twitter world when when coaches come on and be like, that kid doesn't do it. He probably sucks. Who He doesn't throw a 1-8. Yeah, you're right. But bad approach, right? Bad approach. You know, go at it. Like keep the encouragement going, but kind of bring the kid too to a little realization that, um, you know, we still have to be working because this yeah. isn't. Oh, it's the same. Like I, I use Rapsodo, um, and I always try to use Blast as much as I possibly can. And I tell my players, um, you're optimizing for distance. We want to try to get the ball hit as far as you possibly can um, in the cage. Now, again, that's what you're capable of. That's your. That's what you could potentially mm-hmm. do in a game mm-hmm. if you get your pitch 
at the right time in the right location at the right speed, right? Sure. If you're able to do that, now we know, okay, that's your threshold right now. Let's try to build that threshold up because then we can back it back down because sure. then you're going to be in game and you're going to be able to do the things sure. that we need to do. Sure. So it's the same same concept. Same concept. Yep. Last topic. And this is on the same conversation that we've had with Tread Athletics um, and uh, Driveline as well, which is um, – the most important time of the year for college baseball players and teams as a whole winter break, everyone goes home. And while no one is watching, these guys are expected to work as if the world is, this is where guys start to separate themselves between the good and the great. That was by one of the coaches tweeting it out, um, had 957 likes. I think this is a really good topic because I have multiple viewpoints on this. Um, and it also, there's, there's just a lot of variables, um, give you guys an idea. I actually would travel down to Texas to work out during winter break. Um, I know that there's a lot of people out there that don't have the means to do that. Um, and the only reason we did do it was because my mom passed away and we wanted to get away from town. So me and my dad would actually go down to, um, Texas and work out during winter break. And it provided a huge, huge advantage. And at the time it was more of me just wanting to hang out with my dad. Mm -hmm. That's what it was really about. Um, but it definitely solidified me when I came back from winter break and realizing that my peers didn't do much. They probably went to the cages once a week, um, probably worked out in the weight room like off and on. So, but I, I totally get the aspect of taking a break from it and trying to recoup your body. If, and I agree with Ben Brewster on this, is that if you are a person that wants to start at the college level or you want to play professional baseball and you're not a one percenter, a one percenter meaning your genetics and your capabilities, like your fast twitch muscles allows you to um, you're more talented than everybody else. You have to use this time to get better. I would work out during Christmas. I didn't take that off because I was a grinder. I was a person that had to do that. I was, I was talented, but I wasn't, I wasn't a genetic freak. I wasn't a one percenter. So when you, when you think about the break time, which for college athletes, that's December, typically December 9th or 10th around that week, they take their finals and then they're off and then they come back to school. Just depends. January, the second week of January. Um, some go back the first week of January, but you, te you literally have a whole month almost mm -hmm. to gain ground while everyone takes their break in high school. You have a two week time frame. Um, and arguably it could be more because a lot of those guys, um, during November and December don't work out. So you're, you're gaining a lot of ground during that time. You got to keep your foot on the pedal. Even though these guys are taking breaks, you have to be willing to work out on your own. And being at the top is very lonely. It is extremely lonely. There's a, a lot of nights and a lot of days where you're just like, dude, this is boring. Like I am just literally by myself hitting off of a T and I'm like, I don't, I need, I need some type of interaction with somebody. 
so my take on this is this from this manner because I've seen it for years. I've seen it on, um, you know, because where we live in, in the Midwest, it's obviously gets really cold in November and you can't be outside and you kind of take a little break from baseball and then you kind of start ramping up in December. And um, for our high school guys, they, they start they start back in November um, and then they go all the way until their spring season starts in late February. Um, I look at it as this. If you have started training again, so like you've taken your break from from baseball or softball for that matter, um, and you kind of took your time away from the game, and then you started back, let's say Novemberish, okay? You've gained a lot of momentum. You've worked at your craft for quite a while, um, leading up until the holiday season, okay? And for most programs, obviously, it's important to be around your families. It's important to kind of have that time. Um, you know, celebrate, you know, the holidays and your time away from school and you get to be with friends and family and everything else. And that's great. Um, I try to urge players and we want them to do that. First off, I'm not saying get away from that. I urge players to think about the momentum and the traction and the gains that they've already created. Okay. You've gotten to a certain point. You have a couple choices now. If, you, if you've got that momentum going, I think you would want to try to keep that momentum building mm-hmm. and carry it over into the next few months leading up into your season. Because after all, you've put in a lot of time, a lot of hours. Um, that's that's to the, your, your time is worth something. So if you don't, if you choose to kind of stop and get away from it again, you're looking at a regression. Every week to two weeks, you take off from a game, whether it's throwing, whether it's hitting, whether it's you lose feel, you lose uh, your your time spent. And, it, and the it's not one to one. It's probably like you lose two to one on that one, in my opinion, what I've seen. Like pitchers arms, they go down. If you don't throw for a week, you lose two weeks of pre-work. If hitters, you haven't seen pitching or BP or done anything or not swung, you lose two weeks of timing work. Um, so if you do that, just understand now you're next month that when you get back, you're going to have to kind of backtrack. And now you've lost a month of training or a month of your work. All that stuff that you did is gone. And it's, it's, it's you can't ever get it back. And so when you start building that momentum, you know, we always urge our players, yes, go spend your time with your family. Yes, go spend your time with your friends. Yes, enjoy that because that is a big part of your life. But find some time. You're not in school. Find some time to go keep working at your craft so when you do pick it back up with your so-called team training that you haven't missed a beat. You're ready to continue to progress. Mm-hmm. And and that's from the guys who have done that. That has really been a huge separate. You see it. They come back and the the dudes who have hit all break and just oh, you can tell gotten after it like they're just immediately first pitch whack second pitch whack and they they just look good and the guys who haven't they've missed their timing and that Same. puts an impression on on the coaching staff yeah it, it really does and that could really be the separator right there is that you come in the first day and then you're just on all cylinders and you look like you're in season mode mm-hmm. and the other guys are just trying to get back into it yep you're going to win over some uh, minds and yep. you might be the person that they go to and be like, yeah, that's my guy. That's a huge deal in college too. Just like you said. Oh, I, mean, I, beat, guys- I beat out, I beat out a lot of my peers. Just like I was my junior year. I was on the verge of not being in the starting lineup. Yep. I was literally like, yep. G sat me down and be like, 
Spiker, uh, it doesn't look good for you. You had a didn't have a really good fall, and because you always have those exit meetings, yeah, in the fall or yeah. right before winter break, you yeah, have the exit meetings. And he's like, it's not looking good for you right now. And that was like, oh shit, yep. I better figure this out real quick. Yep. And literally, I spent every day working out during Christmas break and came back. And then those guys that had a really good fall, it's like they were just trying to get their engine started back up. Mm-hmm. Um, so never put, never take the pedal off the, or your foot off the pedal. It, it is, it is very surprising what things can happen in just a short time frame. And again, I, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be on a pulpit and say like, Oh, this is what we need to do. This is how we need to do it. Um, I just, I think from an observation standpoint and what I've experienced and trying to pass along that information, I think it's super valuable to like, Hey, you can trust me on this or you can call me. What's the just term? Get, What's the term that a lot of the kids use on TikTok? Oh, boomers. <laughs> they don't yeah. listen to boomers anymore. Yeah. And maybe you can just call me a, a millennial, a stupid millennial. Um, but it's it's definitely true. You're going to gain ground when you treat it more like a lifestyle than, um, than anything else. Yep, 100%. Guys, that's this episode of The Closing Pitch. My name's Spiker Helms. Across me from uh, from me is David Berkby. Um, this is a show about people, culture, and how to create a winning lifestyle. Please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. The ratings help. We get good guests because of that. So when you contribute, contribute your thoughts to our podcast, it helps us bring on more people that you want to listen to. So thanks, guys, and we will catch you in the next episode. See you guys.